So we're continuing this morning in our series in the Psalms for the summer, and we're coming, bringing it to a close, actually. This will be the final Psalm, Psalm 9. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 9. Hear now the eternal living word of God. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who, put, who, those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises. That in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hand. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning we, we come to Psalm 9. And psalm 9 is another psalm of praise. And praise is a natural outpouring you have when you're excited about something. When there's something that you love or cherish or are inspired by, you, your reaction is to praise. It could be a movie, a, a song, your, your favorite book or sports team. But when you care about something, when something is cherished in your heart, part of your experience is to praise it to others. You get excited for others to experience this. You tell them about it, often repeatedly and passionately. And praise is an essential part of the experience 
of enjoyment. C.S. Lewis once described this element of praise when he wrote, The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poets, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, and even some politicians and scholars. He goes on to say, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. And so when we consider this praise as a part of our enjoyment, and we think about what the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That means we're fulfilling our purpose when we praise God. Praising God glorifies him. It completes our enjoyment of him. And so if you're brought to praise by your favorite show or movie or piece of art or song or whatever things you value and enjoy in this physical world, how much more so should you delight in praising the God of supreme value, the creator and sustainer of this physical world? But life is difficult. Life comes with many hardships. It can be difficult to praise God when you're suffering, when you're lonely, when you're facing trials in life. But if we're honest, we also fail to thank God and praise him, even when things are going well. Because the truth is our hearts often drift from God. The ups and downs of daily life capture our attention. It pulls us from him. We get so focused on ourselves and what we're going through. So in sorrow and joy, triumphs and difficulties, our hearts need reminders to praise the Lord. And what a great reminder we have of how praiseworthy God is in the Psalter. And so this morning in Psalm 9, we'll be reminded of three reasons to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his wonderful deeds. You can praise the Lord for his daily grace. And praise the Lord for his sovereign justice. David, who once again is the author of this psalm, begins in the first two verses by proclaiming his praise of the Lord. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The psalm begins with David's proclamation to praise the Lord. And he starts with giving thanks to God with his whole heart. That is, giving thanks to God with his whole self. Biblically, the heart is the whole inner self of a person. The will, the intellect, the emotions. And so David thanks God with his desires, with his thoughts, with his emotions. His whole attitude is thankful. A thankful and grateful attitude towards God will almost always bring you to praise Him. 
And so David then mentions how he will keep this thankful attitude towards God. He says, I will recount all your wonderful deeds. By recounting all the wonderful things God has done, you can be thankful for all that he's done. And this can bring you to praise him. That's why this is our first reason to praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord for his wonderful deeds. There are so many things that God has done, specifically that he's done in your life, that are reasons to praise him with a thankful heart. After saying, I will be glad and exult in you, I will sing praises to your name, O Most High, David goes in to the wonderful deeds of the Lord in his life. He says, starting in verse 3, When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. David's recounting when God turned back his enemies, when God delivered him from the hand of his enemies. Now, there are many scholars who believe, and I think they're correct, that the scenario back in the heading of Psalm 3 is the context for Psalms 3 to 9. This was the situation when David's son Absalom rebelled against him and tried to kill him. And so Absalom gathered thousands, uh, an army of thousands, and, and attempted to take the throne away from David. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, this event in David's life was God's discipline against him. But therefore, Psalms 3 to 7 are all psalms of lament. So when David was crying out to God to deliver him from this situation, now we see in Psalm 9, David rejoicing in God answering his prayer. David's enemies have been defeated. Absalom and his men tried to take the throne of David. God sat on his throne, sovereignly ruling over all things. And so one of the ways you can recount the wonderful things God has done in your life is to remember all the answered prayers. And I've mentioned this before because David often praises God for answering his prayers. And we know that God answers the prayers of his people. And he at times, like he did with David, give you even the answer you're looking for. You can think back over the course of your life, over the course of your walk with the Lord, and consider how many times you've prayed for something and God granted it. What an amazing reason to praise God that he hears and answers our prayers. In his infinite mind, in his will, in his divine goodness, he gives you everything you need and he loves you. When you consider Psalm 9 follows Psalm 8, which basks in the glory of the almighty God who created everything, who basks in the glory of the creation pointing us to the creator. And this same God who made all things, who sustains all things by his power, assures you that he hears your prayers. And he answers your prayers. And he loves you with an infinite love, grace, and mercy beyond your understanding. And so you can recount all the answered prayers in your life and praise God with a thankful heart for them. But answered prayers are not the only wonderful deeds of the Lord to recount. There are so many blessings in life and in death that are reasons to praise God. He's given you the gift of life. 
Just your life itself is a reason to praise God. It's a wonderful act of God that he made you. He made you a unique individual. As David wrote in his praise in Psalm 139, he said, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God has given you life. He's given you a family, friends, a home, heat, running water, a car, a job, food, clothes. He's given us so many things that we often take for granted and don't always praise him for. Being born in the United States, you've been given the blessing to have been born or live at least in the wealthiest civilization that has ever existed. And so you can praise God all that he has given you in your life including life itself. And you can praise God especially for the gift of his grace and the salvation in Jesus Christ. That is God's most wonderful deed. That he's chosen you to be among his people. That he didn't leave you to yourself in your sinful life, walking in darkness, following the course of the world, selfishly sinning and rejecting God. Praise him that he called you to himself, that he sent you his spirit and brought you to new spiritual life, that he's called you to the path of the righteous, that you can come into a relationship with him through faith in his son. Praise God that he loves you as he loves his son, and that he's given you all the blessings that only Jesus Christ deserves. And these blessings extend for eternity. David continues his praise, starting in verse 5, he says, You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. Their very memory of them has perished. So David now is remembering, in general, all the times God has brought forth his justice and rebuked the nations around Israel. God defeated his enemies that have rebelled against him, that we read about in Psalm 2. Though the kings and the nations that rebel against God and his anointed king. And he did this numerous times throughout the Old Testament. Most notably, in Egypt, he delivered his people from slavery. And so in God bringing his justice to David's enemies, to all of his and our enemies, he reveals his power over evil. He reveals his power over the wicked. He reveals his power over sin. And it gives us hope for the future. If you look at the state of the world on a human level, it's a bit frightening. There are, those in power are often wicked. But knowing the history of God defeating the wicked, knowing the history of God bringing justice upon his enemies gives us a reason to praise him because he is in control. Because he reigns over all things, including the powerful of this world. As David states, starting in verse 7, But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. 
God is in control. And his reign is forever. And from his throne, he brings justice. His judgment is perfectly righteous. It doesn't matter what military might the rebellious have. It doesn't matter what the financial power of the wicked is. God reigns supreme over all creation, and he will bring justice upon them. And so what does that mean for us? What David writes, starting in verse 9, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. The sovereign reign of God over all things means we can hold on to him no matter how bad things are on earth. It's comforting to know that when we see the atrocities that take place by human rulers and militaries, that God is not only all-powerful, but he cares for the oppressed. When we look at war and oppression all around the world, countries in civil war, God will not forget these acts. And God cares for the oppressed. He cares for the afflicted that are seen all throughout the Psalms. One scholar wrote, A whole sweep of the Psalter makes clear, Happiness is not the absence of pain and trouble, but the presence of a God who cares about human hurt and who acts on behalf of the afflicted and the oppressed. When you consider that oppressed Christians around the world are in the hands of the Almighty God, you can praise the Lord. Psalm 34 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. God's people will suffer. We do suffer. God never promised a life free from suffering and affliction. As Psalm 34 says, there actually states there will be many afflictions, many difficulties, many trials in this life. But God's promise is he will deliver you. He may not do it in the timing that you want. He may not do it in the way that you expect, but God cares for the afflicted. He cares for the oppressed, the poor, and the suffering, especially his covenant people, especially those whom he has called according to his purpose, especially his children whom he's adopted in Christ. So no matter how powerful the governments and tyrants in this world may seem, you can remember that God reigns not only over the earth, but over everything. He reigns over heaven and earth. That's why those who put their trust in him are never forsaken. Even when things seem horrible on this earth, even if they're killed as martyrs, they're in the hands of the almighty God. So in your times of trouble, God is a stronghold. You can trust that he will provide for you. You can trust that his ultimate comfort, even in your suffering, there's no difficult. There's no difficulty in this world that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Because if you trust in Jesus Christ, then you have the hope of Christ in life and in death, which is the only hope in life and death. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you're adopted into the family of God. You're in the hands of God. And you can know that he is in control. And that for those who love God, all things work together. For good. 
And so oppression, suffering, times of trouble in life are not good things in themselves. But God miraculously works all things, good and bad, together for good. For the good of his purposes that are being worked out. Even when you can't see it. Even when it doesn't feel that way. Trusting in God means knowing that he sovereignly reigns over everything. Even your current situation. And knowing that he loves you and that he is good. And so because God is a stronghold for all who trust in him, David continues his praise in verses 11 and 12. He says, singing praises, sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. And so now David is speaking to those who know God's name. Or know God's character, who who trust in him. And he's telling God's people, he's telling you to sing praises to the Lord. Whom he says sits enthroned in Zion. So Zion in the Bible is the footstool of God. It's the earthly manifestation of his heavenly reign. And then David, who praised God by recounting all his wonderful deeds, is calling on God's people. To tell God's deeds to the people around them. And the idea of proclaiming God's deeds to the world is a theme in the Old Testament. God called Abraham and Israel for the sake of the world. David's encouraging Israel to proclaim the deeds. Waiting for the day that the Gentiles will be included in God's covenant. And in the New Testament, we know that time has come. In the error of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom is at hand. The Messiah, the Son of God, has come to fulfill the scriptures. So as God's people, we are to continue to bring the good news to the nations, to the people, bringing the gospel to the unbelievers around us. And then, after speaking to the people, David then goes to speak directly to the Lord. Starting in verse 13, he says, Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. David now calls for God's future grace in his life. He knows his need for God's continued mercy in his life daily. Every one of us need God's grace. You and I need his grace in our lives every day. And that's our second reason in Psalm 9 to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his daily grace. Not only do you and I need grace every day, but he provides this grace every day. God is faithful to you. He continues to provide grace in your life. David starts his psalm by rejoicing and praising the Lord for answering his prayer, for delivering him. But he knows his need for God's grace doesn't end there. Your need for God's grace won't end in this life. But as he provides it, you can continue to ask him for it. Indwelling sin remains in your heart. Difficulty and suffering, afflictions and tragedy will continue in your life. So you can call out to God to deliver you in his grace 
and mercy. And David gives us the reason for this. The reason he wants God to deliver him. He says, that I may recount all your praises. That in the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. The reason for God's grace in your life is so that you will praise him. So you will enjoy him forever. That you will rejoice in him. This is the purpose. Your purpose as a human being. You were made to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And praising him is a part of this purpose. You can praise God for the daily grace for the continued sin in your life. Praise God for the continued deliverance from times of trouble in your life. And praise God for the salvation he's provided in the sacrifice of his son. As God extends his mercy and grace to you, it's a reminder of the ultimate act of grace, eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. Praise God for all the wonderful things he's done in his grace, all the wonderful things he continues to do and will do for eternity. But David isn't done with justice and the wicked. So starting in verse 15, he goes back to God's justice upon the wicked. He says, the nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the works of their own hands. Here David is speaking in the past tense. He's recounting the nations that have raged against the Lord. And his king. And have been brought to justice. David is praising God. That he has made himself known. By executing his judgment. On the rebellious nations. He praises the Lord. That the wicked are snared. In the works of their own hands. Then in verse 17. He looks to the future. The wicked shall return to Sheol. All the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. And the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. God's judgment on the wicked is related to God's care for the poor and needy and the oppressed. If it's wrong to oppress the poor, then the wicked must be punished. Justice must be served. And so David calls for God's justice as he concludes this psalm. He says, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. And so this brings us to our third reason, to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his sovereign justice. Now this has been a theme throughout this psalm. And God's justice is a reason to praise him. Because without his justice, he wouldn't be sovereign. He wouldn't be God. God's justice is an attribute of God that that some people want to ignore. And this has always been the case. One of the first prominent heretics in church history was a man named Marcion from the 3rd century. And he taught that there was essentially two gods. He said that there was this harsh, legalistic God of the Jews. The God that executed his justice. And then there was this loving, merciful God of Jesus Christ. And so he excluded the Old Testament from the canon. He even removed some verses from the New Testament. 
And that's how some churches, even today, operate. Ignoring all the teachings about God's wrath and hell, which ultimately is ignoring the justice of God. But God's justice is not only something that shouldn't be ignored, because it's everywhere in the Bible, but it's actually something to praise God for. Because justice doesn't always come in this world. Sometimes, those who live evil, wicked lives remain rich and powerful till their death. But God's justice goes beyond this world. He is glorified in being the just ruler and the judge of the whole universe. So as much as people try to ignore this aspect of God, no one wants injustice. No one really wants the wicked to go unpunished. God's judgment on the wicked is an execution of his judgment. And it's a reason to praise him because he always does what is right. He is the standard of what is right. He is righteous and just and he's all powerful and sovereign. Meaning he is not only perfectly just, but he has the power to execute his justice. And it's a reason to praise him. We can praise God for his sovereign divine justice. As Deuteronomy 32 says, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. God is perfectly righteous and just. And as you read through the Old Testament, Tim Keller points out this tension that comes from the characteristics of God and seeing how it plays out with his people. So God is holy and just and can't tolerate or live with or bless evil and sin. But God is also loving and faithful and has committed himself to his people. He's promised to be with his people and to redeem them. So the tension builds as you read the Old Testament. Will God finally give up on his people? But then what of his faithfulness? Or will he finally give in to his people? But then what of his holiness and his justice? And the resolution comes in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, both God's justice and holiness, his love and his faithfulness win. It's not an either or. It's not either his holiness or his faithfulness. It's not either his justice or his love. It's God showing his love for his people by executing his justice on the cross of Jesus Christ. It's God's holiness prevailing by faithfully providing his son as a substitute to die in your place. By executing his justice on Jesus as the substitute for the punishment you deserve, God revealed his infinite love and mercy for you. And salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in receiving and resting in Christ alone. Knowing that you can't escape the perfect justice of God on your own. Knowing that God can't overlook sin, it must be punished. Knowing that you are in the impossible situation. That you are a sinner who deserves God's justice. Who deserves the punishment of a holy, righteous God who will judge your sin. But knowing 
that God's mercy in Christ is found in the free gift of his grace. That Jesus was the son of God taking on humanity, becoming a human man, being born under the law and living a perfectly righteous life. So that through faith in him, through receiving and resting upon him alone for your salvation, he is offered to you in the gospel. And his perfect obedience is transferred to you. And your sins are transferred to him and receive God's justice on the cross. And so no matter how difficult your circumstances may be, or even how good they are, you can praise God for all the wonderful things he's done. Praise God for his daily grace in your life. And praise God for his sovereign justice. Every day, praise God for who he is, for what he has done and what he continues to do. And every day, praise God for the salvation that is the gift of his free grace in his son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you to praise you, to worship you, to glorify your holy name as we are made to do. And Lord, we, we recount all the things you have done in history and in our lives. We know that our need for your daily grace will be provided, that you will continue to see, give us new mercies every day. And Lord, we pray that we can praise you in your sovereign justice in this world. As we know, as we look around this world and injustice abounds, we praise you that you are good and that your justice is perfect and that we can trust in you for eternity, that you and your son are our only hope in life and in death. And we praise you for him. Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.